Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning again. Did you ever have one of those days where you are sure that God or the universe or whoever is out to get you? No, seriously, like, you're minding your own business, just cruising along, and just bam, things start happening, and it's like mayhem and chaos, and and, and just someone or something is out to just put you down. Did you ever have one of those days? Some of you are saying, like, I've had one of those weeks. (laughs) I know. Let's, Let's watch this. Chaos, mayhem, right? It just comes out of nowhere in the middle of your day. And I think we probably have all been there. And you hear what the announcer says. Insurance is so that you can be better protected from mayhem. Because that's what we really want, right? We want to be protected from mayhem ever, ever touching us. Is life like that? No, sorry. We're going to be looking today. There is a character in the Bible named Job. Some of you may be familiar a little bit with his story. To, to put it in a nutshell, Job has a really terrible, awful, very bad day. Like the, the worst terrible, very bad day ever. Um, he has his children are killed. His, he loses his home. And he's a very wealthy, prosperous guy. His wife tells him at one point, just curse God and die as he's sitting there scraping the boils that have popped up on his skin with a a broken shard of pottery. It is just, his life is completely, utterly, totally ruined in just a matter of hours. And when you look at it, do you know how the book of Job starts? Right, Right in chapter one, the, the 13th verse says this. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. One day, when everything is going perfectly fine. People are happy. They're gathered together with their family. Everything is going the way they think it should go the way that we imagine God intends for our life to go. Have you got a one day? Have you got a one day when? One day when everything was just perfect and then bam, mayhem, chaos, everything goes wrong. We were starting the preparation on this message and I remembered a friend of mine that I had back in high school, part of high school and college, and a really good friend of mine. The guy is just a genius. He was really smart. Do you know anybody like this? I mean, 
He was just top of the class in high school. Uh, long before he got out of high school, he knew he was going to be a political science major. I believe he wanted to be an attorney. Everything was just headed all his way. He went and did the year abroad, I think his junior year in high school, and went to Sweden. And this is <clears throat> a few years ago when we were in high school. Um, and he figured out, because he wanted to get into the Soviet Union, it was still the Soviet Union, and you couldn't do that with an American passport. And somehow he figured out how to get into the Soviet Union. A great thing if you're into, into politics at the time. He came back, uh, finished up high school, tried out for the national debate team, made it. That is a very coveted position, very difficult thing to do. If you're going to be a political science major, one of the best places in the world to do it is Georgetown University. He was accepted there. And in the summer before he went off to college, he also got on to be a page for a U.S. congressman. That is very difficult to do if you don't know somebody, if you aren't wealthy yourself. And so this guy, he was running life. Things were just going right on the rails that they were supposed to do. He's smart. He's making opportunities. He's, the, the ball is dropping his way every single time. And so he's at the library working exactly where he's supposed to be doing. One night he stays late till about 3 o'clock in the morning. He leaves, goes out, and gets in his Yugo. Okay, some of you are a little too young to remember what a Yugo is. If you don't know what a Yugo is... Um, you know the smart cars that they have now, the, the little ones and everything? It's like that, only made of cardboard. <laughs> it's, it's literally like a to-go container on wheels. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, doing what he's supposed to be doing, driving home, goes through an intersection, a car T-bones him. His car's destroyed. He faces an incredible brain injury. He's in a coma for several months. One day when everything was going right. Mayhem. Chaos. My friend lived through all of that, but in the time he was in the hospital, in the coma, he loses all of his scholarships. He has to unenroll from Georgetown University. He comes back to where we lived at WVU, a good school, not, not Georgetown, though. And his grades start slipping because he doesn't realize how the brain injury has affected his ability to learn and recall things. One day when his life was going right the way it was supposed to go, it goes right into the garbage And all of the things that you would think have been put in his life for the good are interrupted and everything begins to go horribly wrong. Maybe you have one of those one days. One day when you get the phone call, hey, your lab results are in and uh, I need you to come in the office. One day when you get to see why she won't let you look at the texts on her phone. One day when your teenage daughter says, Mom, I'm pregnant. Maybe it's one day when he hits you again. Maybe it's one day 
when you hear those words come out of your father's mouth, I was right. You never will amount to anything. Or maybe it's that one day when you pick up the phone and you hear a state trooper's voice says, Mr. Bailey, are you at home right now? We all have a one day. And we start to ask questions. We start to ask questions. I've got questions. Where is God when we suffer? Where is he? There's pain in this life, and I bet it has touched every single person in this room. Where is God when that happens? Does it even make a difference if you're a follower of Jesus? Does, does coming here and worshiping, does that even make a difference? Well, let's pray, and we'll jump into this. Father God, we know through, through Jesus that you know what it's like to be human. You know that this is not easy. You know that this is a life that pain comes with it. Lord, but you have so much you want to talk to us about and so much hope that you want to bring to our situation, Lord, that, that there is a place for you in our pain. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come. Open hearts this morning. Open minds. Be with us in this moment as we, as we wrestle through this, this problem that goes to the beginning of man. Lord, we need your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when something goes wrong... It's our first instinct. You get that kind of gut punch. And you go, wow, I wish that hadn't happened. I wish that hadn't happened. We're stunned and we're shocked and we go, whoa. And our brain just reacts by saying, man, I wish that hadn't happened. And it's hard for a minute. But you know, stuff happens. There's a different bumper sticker. <laughs> but stuff happens. You know, we don't need scripture to tell us. We, we, we know the saying, you know, into every life a little rain must fall. Right? Which is great until it falls on you. And then it's not such a light little thing to say, is it? And, and here's what I don't understand. We know stuff happens. We all know stuff happens. I don't have to tell you stuff happens. You're thinking of something that's happened to you right now. Why aren't we better at it? Right? Why aren't we better at it? It happens all the time. It happens to us all the time. It happens to us irrespective of what we're doing, even when we're doing everything we should be doing, even when we're not someplace we shouldn't be. Chaos. Mayhem happens to us. Why aren't we better at it? Because somewhere, somehow, we've devised this little belief that life should be completely pain-free. And even when we are in our pain, even when things happen, our first instinct is to say, I wish that hadn't happened. 
Make the pain all go away. Some of us deal with pain by anesthetizing it. Like we can't bear even the smallest amount of pain in our lives. And I think as a follower of Jesus, I have to ask, is this the best Jesus can do? Is it? We start, we start to answer the questions for ourselves because the questions do come, right? And I think that there's really kind of two ditches that, that we want to keep the car out of when, when we talk about this. The first ditch is this, is if only God had stopped it. If only God had stopped it. And we put him on trial. We make everything his fault. God allowed this to happen. Why did God allow this to happen? That's what Job does in the book, by the way. He spends a good portion of the book putting God on trial. Why did you let this happen to me? What is wrong with you that you would do this to me? Is this the best I can expect out of God? And we can become modern-day Jobs and do the exact same thing. God, why did you let this chaos into my life? And the other ditch on the other side of the road is this. is we go, well, stuff happens. I guess this is stuff. I guess this is the way it's going to be. And we can get kind of fatalistic about it. And there is absolutely no hope in that, is there? I don't find hope in that. <laughs> Sometimes we can, we can get to the place where we can say to God, God, if you'd, if you'd only made yourself known, if you only would have shown up right there, because I don't think you're here. I don't feel your presence in this. I'm pretty certain if, if you are God, you're not listening or looking at little old me. Even Job, Job does this. He says, I, I don't think God's listening. I don't think God cares. In the ninth chapter, he says, even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. Like, I can send God the subpoena, but he ain't going to show up to court. You feel like that ever? Like, God, you know, if you're letting this happen, if you're such a big, powerful God, and you're letting this happen to me, you obviously don't care about me. You don't care about Brian. That ditch is there. Or maybe we say the other thing that we can say is that, God, you just don't play fair. You just don't play fair. I can't keep up with all of these rules. I can't keep up with this way I'm supposed to live my life. I can't act good enough for you to treat me the way I want to be treated. We can end up there, too. I want to tell you, this pain thing, I'm sure, is no stranger to any of us. I mean, I, I've, I've sat in pain of, of the why, of the how come. I'm, I've been divorced. I've had people around me die. I've had parents die. 
I've sat in this very place of pain and asked all the questions, made all the accusations, and wanted my questions answered. Until I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and you get to a point where I think we have to realize that there is another kind of one day. There is another kind of one day when. There is a one day when I started trusting God. There is a one day when I started trusting God. I know you guys, I know you read this book, right? I, I know Tim says that all the time, and so I trust that you guys, I trust that you read this book. You know, if you read this book and you listen to some of the people in here, you find out that, that there's some very true things in here and God doesn't hide away the people who are in pain. Have you ever looked at Psalm 69? Have you ever looked at the 69th Psalm? David wrote this Psalm and here's how it begins. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. David's having a very bad, horrible, awful, terrible day. That is not the sound of someone that has full faith and trust in God at the beginning of this psalm. This is the sound of someone who's saying, Help, I am going under. I am going under bad. My enemies are more numerous than the hairs on my head. For some of us, that's not very many. <laughs> David's a young man at this point. He's got a lot of hair. I'm forced to restore what I didn't steal. Have you ever had that injustice done to you? Like, I didn't break it, but I'll pay for it just so you'll leave me alone. But do you see how this psalm ends? Skip down. Skip down to about the 30th verse. It says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Is this the same guy? This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. Now he's encouraging other people. He's gone from the depths to being able to encourage other people. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. He goes from the worst possible place ever to just a few verses later, he's a worship leader giving prophetic words. What happens to David? What happens to him? What does God do in him? Because I've read the middle. 
It doesn't say that God moved heaven and earth and his enemies disappeared. It doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't say that God changed his circumstances entirely. It says, it says that God changed David. In the midst of his pain, God changed David. We get in the middle of stuff, and we don't cry out, and we forget what God is doing with us. God works in us as, as we cry out. There is a scripture that says we can boldly go before the throne of grace and cry out. That's what David's done, and God changed David. He didn't change his circumstances. You know, we have, as, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, we have a different perspective. We just spent six or seven weeks learning about the kingdom of God and what it's like in the kingdom of God. And you know what we have? We can take an eternal perspective. The kingdom of God means we can have an eternal perspective. Seriously, turn to your neighbor and say eternal. How long is eternal? It's forever, right? It's forever. Now watch how God works in Job. Watch how God works in Job. In chapter 19, Job says this. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. If you remember, Moses wasn't even allowed. He was barely allowed to look where God had passed by. And Job says, no, I'm going to see God face to face with my own eyes in my flesh. Not the flesh that's presently covered with boils and sores. He's going to get to see God. That is an eternal perspective. That's what I signed on for. To look God in the eye someday and say, thank you. (laughs) Thank you that all of that wasn't all of this. That in the kingdom, in the fullness of the kingdom, things will be different. Because of God's purposes. Jesus says, my father is always at work even now. And so that means even now, even here, right here, Myrtle Beach, Seacoast Vineyard Church, Sunday morning, March 5th, my father is at work even now. And you know, the truth is we've been talking about the rescue and the restoration of the entire earth and of God's people, and that's happening right now. It's happening right where we are. It's not all going to take place one day in the end before any of this. It's happening right now, and that's God's purpose. And he's doing it in you. He wants to change you like he changed David. He wants to change you like he changed Job. He wants to come into your present pain and make it worth something. See, we're all going to go through pain. We know that. 
That's where we started this morning. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. But God wants to take that stuff and use it to build character in us, to build people who will join him in the restoration, who will join him in this grand rescue operation that is the coming of the kingdom in the fullness. There is so much for us to do. There is so much. Is there any injustice left in this world at all? There's a ton. How's God going to straighten that out? How's God going to come and put things to right? He's going to use the people sitting in this room in Seacoast Vineyard Church. Are there people around you in emotional pain? How is he going to come and put that to right? He's going to use you to go to that person and just be with them. But you have to go through something first before you can comfort people. I was talking to somebody in first service and we were talking about how God forms us and carves us and kind of out of a statue like kind of thing. And I said, yeah, but you don't get the statue without the chisel. Right? God didn't create your pain, but he wants to use it for his purposes. To set this place right. To start the restoration first in you and then in the entire world. Romans 12.1 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. This is the message version. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And I would add your sometimes painful life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become part of the pain of the world. Don't fit into that. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Give it to him. Here I am, God. Here I am. Use me for your purposes. Pain included. Let's pray. One day when... One day when Lord, all we have is ourselves to offer. And Lord, I believe that's really all you want from us. (laughs) You know, You know what pain loves? You know what pain loves? Pain loves solitude. Pain loves it when you're lonely and by yourself. 
And I believe, I believe God's picture of community, of a faith community, is directly designed, architected to deal with pain. Because one thing I know, it won't go away. But when you have people around you, it's bearable. It can be bearable. So God, I just asked this morning that, that, Father God, as a church, you knit us together. Lord, where we're sensitive to each other, where we hear each other. Lord, that when we say, how are you doing, we mean it. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you haven't, if you haven't fully stepped into everything that Jesus Christ has for you, if you haven't accepted his offer of rescue, and you want to start a relationship with him this morning, I would love if you would just throw a hand up and, and say, here I am. Jesus, come rescue me. I want to do life with you now. And if you're sitting in here this morning and you're in the middle of your one day win and you want to want to get some comfort for that, you want to get some prayer for that, I just, if you would be so bold as to stand, we want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Can we get, can we get some people come pray with some of these people standing? Prayer team or staff? Because or... I know there's more than one or two people in here this morning. I feel like I feel like there's some people in here this morning who are in some physical pain. And God wants to heal that. So if that's you, if you can stand, if not, just throw up a hand. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The hope of the church is a place for the Spirit to work, to come and to heal, to come and to touch people, to come and give revelation. And if you can't get it here, <laughs> Holy Spirit, your mission is to heal, your name is to come alongside. home this morning.
Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.